Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Happy summer. And so um, what a great summer it's been. Um, You know, I was um, so happy when uh, uh, Pastor, uh, found out Pastor Jake was coming back. And um, I love Pastor Jake. And uh, so um, when we first came, like, I think I was Jake's first friend at the church. And so, um, you know, so he calls me Uncle Mike. So I can't wait for my nephew to be back here. And, and so many others. I mean, gosh, Pastor Steve absolutely crushed it. And also, last week, uh, Nathan was amazing. It was just, uh, it's been an amazing summer. And Pastor Jude and Pastor Becky have just put together such a powerful team of people. And Jan and I are just honored to be part of their team. And, you know, Pastor Jude and Pastor Becky, I'm all, almost a little nervous that they're coming back with a recharged battery. Can you imagine a more recharged Pastor Jude? <laughs> and also, uh, Pastor Michael, I mean, I, I just love working with you, man. You are just a great leader. And I think that's what Pastor Jude and Pastor Becky, some of their gifting is, and they have many giftings, but some of it is that they just put together great teams and they disciple great. And so I love when, you know, one of my favorite parts of Pastor Jude is like, um, is like when I need like a double shot of espresso for my faith, I just call Pastor Jude. And so um, some years back, I was, I was driving al- along with uh, one of my pod- project managers and I own a construction company and that's what I do by trade. And then Janet and I are non-staff pastors um, and um, we of the marketplace, and we have great marketplace leaders here. And so I'm driving with one of my project managers, and we're just driving along, and we're just talking, and you know, and and I told him that I was from Simi Valley, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm from Simi Valley also." And then I told him how old I was, and he's like, "Oh, you know what? My brother is about the same age as you. Do you know my brother?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I know your brother." And then uh, he asked what neighborhood I lived in, and I told him what neighborhood I lived in, and he just stops. And he goes like this, oh my goodness, you are Marijuana Mike. (laughs) And then he's like this, what happened? How did you get from there to where you're at now? And I'm like, Jesus happened. Jesus not just Jesus and Janet happened, okay? Because Janet, like, uh, she literally dragged me to my first service. And so I'd uh, never been to a church before. And she dragged me up to the front and, um, you know, uh, said a prayer, like, God, come in my life and take out the things you want out and put the things in that you want in, in Jesus' name. Really simple. Well, the next day, my house got raided by the police. Be very careful for what you pray for, church. It might just happen. In jail that night, and I, I cried out to God, and I'm like, God, how could this happen? You know? And I'm the unchurched, right? Like, I know nothing, right? I just like, God, how could this happen? I just prayed and gave you my life. And it was really the first time that I felt like God speaking to me. And, um, 
And this is what God said. I did this for you. I have a new plan for your life. And I just had my 30-year anniversary of becoming Christian, May 31st, 1992. Church, God is such a redeemer. God is such a redeemer. And then, so we got, I got born again, and uh, Jan and I got born again, and uh, she found a, a, a church for us to go to. And uh, the pastor of that church became my first, at the age of 30, became my first positive male role model. And so, um, you know, I just had never had positive male role models. And, you know, like I just remember after a short time, you know, I'd been there and I was talking to him and he was like, wow, you have a real unique testimony, right? And he's like, I remember him saying to me the first time, he said, my God's got a special plan for your life. I can remember it so vividly as it was the first time that somebody had spoken that into my life. And I want to speak that into your life, church. God's got something special for you. I remember after, like a few years later, I, you know, I, I had a, a little drywall repair business, and you know, I, I, I'm working my job, and I, I met with him, and I said, you know, like I need to kind of grow what I'm doing, and, and he said, Mike, what I recommend for you is for you to study the book of Proverbs. Try to read the book of Proverbs in the next month. And so um, I wasn't very good at reading, and uh, to be honest with you, um, I'm getting better, but you know, I still read probably at about a sixth grade level. I still read. It just takes me longer, right? And so uh, Janet uh, took me to this place. Um, uh, maybe, you know, I know you younger ones had never heard of it. It was called the Bible Bookstore, right? Uh, you young ones, look it up on Wikipedia. And so she got me uh, the, uh, the book of Proverbs uh, on cassette. And so I drove around in my little truck listening to the book of Proverbs. And I met with my pastor a month later, and he said, did you get through the book of Proverbs? And I said, uh, yeah, I got through it. And he goes, oh, that's so good. And I go, yeah, I got through it uh, five times in one month. And he was like, he goes like this to me. He goes, Mike, I'm so proud of you. I could remember the moment like it was yesterday. It was the first time that a male role model that I respected told me he was proud of me. And so the title of our talk for today is, God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And it is a good plan. And it's designed specifically for you. Church, you personally are uniquely made by God. You are unique. And God has special assignments for you. And those assignments are people. I love the saying, the two most important days of our lives are the, days that we're, the day that we're born and the day that we find out why. I'd like to say this, maybe there's a third, the day we get born again and then we find out why. And so don't just believe me because I'm telling you, this is what the scripture says about you. Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship. And I looked up that word this week, and it, it literally means that we are God's poem. And we were written by the greatest poet of all time. 
It says, we are his own master work, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we could walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Romans 8.28, and it's one of those verses that's just commonly misread. Or let, let me say it this way. It's just people leave parts out of it. And some of you guys know this verse, and, and it's, this is the way people will quote it, and they just miss part of it. God works all things together for the good. How many of you know that verse? It's a great verse, right? It's actually a promise of God. But it's a conditional promise, and let me read it. As we know that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together, and that means cooperate, as a plan for good for those who love God. And the scripture says in John, if we really love him, then we'll obey him. If we really love him, then we'll follow his commandments. But here's the key, to those who are called according to to his purpose. And that is the people that are walking in the will of God, the direction he wants you to go. You know, one of the keys to this verse that like, you know, because I like was studying it over and over and over. And, I, you know, like, because sometimes you have questions, right? You're like, how does this work? You know, how does this work? I mean, like, how does this work in tragedy, right? A friend of ours, um, that uh, we've known for many years, and we see him occasionally, and, he, and he, he'd asked Jen and I to pray for his son, was struggling uh, with substance abuse, and, which is a, a, a true like tragedy, right? And it's just like an epidemic, and it's really horrible. And so we'd pray for his son, and you know, we got a text about a month ago uh, that his son had passed away from substance abuse. It was very, very tragic, and we felt so, so, we so felt for our friend. You know, a few weeks ago, we went to the uh, memorial service, and so our friend is a man that is deeply yielded to God, and you could tell that he had been bathed in prayer. And so he got up uh, to share at his son's memorial, and he said this, he said, you know, I've been praying for my son for years. And, you know, um, he knew Jesus, and uh, he went to be with Jesus. But I have prayed for, uh, uh, for him to be set free from substance abuse for so long. And he, uh, he told the people at the, um, at the memorial service, which there was like 200 people, and 100 of them were his son's friends, that you know that a percentage of them were struggling with substance abuse. And this is what he said. In this time of tragedy, he said, you know, if there's anybody here that's struggling with substance abuse, I want to be your prayer partner. I want to pray for you. And I, I mean, if you were human and you were in that room, you were crying. Here is this man going through this tragedy, but was so yielded and deeply committed to God that he was trying to serve people. He was serving people even in a time of tragedy. 
You know, the, uh, the person that officiated uh, the memorial service was his son's youth pastor, and it was our kid's youth pastor. And so, um, you know, at the end of this time, at the end of the service, he gave a simple invitation for people to come know, to know Jesus. A simple invitation. You know, and um, I looked around. I peeked. I know you're not supposed to, but I peeked. And there had to be a hundred hands that were raised that day, that people that came to know Jesus. So even in the most difficult time, God could make things and turn them around for good. He's that, God is that good. I love Romans eleven twenty nine, And so, like, sometimes, you know, like, we just could get out of step, right? Like, we could be going uh, one direction, and we're going in the wrong way, and sometimes we just got to get back in to the direction and the purpose of God for our lives. And, and here's, I love Romans eleven twenty nine. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So even if you're going in the wrong direction, you could just get into the right lane and go the right direction. For, for he does not withdraw what he has given, and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to him who he sends his call. You know, um, uh, as a young Christian, like they had like these words, right? You know, like, and it just took a while to learn Christianese, right? You know, like I just didn't know how to speak it. And one of the things they used to say, you know, when I first got born again, and I'm so glad because so often I feel so unqualified for what God wants me to do. I mean, so often I just feel completely, dis, you know, like unqualified. But I love the saying that I used to hear. It's God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You know, uh, sometimes we just got to get right, on, right back on track. You know, I was driving to Los Angeles uh, a short time ago, and, you know, I just got on autopilot, right? And I was just, you know, I looked up at my navigation, and I'm like, oops, I'm on the wrong freeway. I thought it was going to be an hour and 15 minutes, and if I kept going the wrong direction, it would have been an hour and 45 minutes. So you know what I did? I just got off the freeway. I got off the 118 and I got on the 23. I took it to the 101 and I got there. Sometimes we just have to get off the freeway and go the right way. You know, uh, I was with uh, a, little, a little off subject. I was with uh, some friends or actually some uh, project managers and some people I work with. And I was in Pasadena. This is probably three or four years ago. And so I had a four o'clock appointment and I was just checking to see, you know, like what traffic was like. And uh, the guys that I'm working with, they go like this, oh, oh, traffic is jammed, you know, coming home from Pasadena. And I'm like, oh, well, why is it jammed? And it's, you know, like it's early in the day. And they said, oh, because of one direction. And I'm all, which direction? I'm going north. <laughs> they said, because of one direction. I'm all, I know, but which one? <laughs> they said, one direction. It's a band. They're playing at the Rose Bowl. I didn't know what they were talking about. It's like some boy band. I don't know. I had to take some side street. Sometimes you have to take a detour from the direction you were going. Take a detour and get back on the path that God wants you to. 
Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, it's, it's like this great verse, right? It's a promise of God, right? And, you know, like, I love this verse. I've, I've written it on 50 birthday cards and at least 50 graduation cards, right? It's just this great promise. I mean, we all quote it to each other. And so, but I want to give you some context. And it's the, uh, the people of, this is a promise to the people of Israel, and they were living in captivity. They had been dragged from their homeland and were living in Babylon. They were living in captivity. It was the worst time of their life. And God gives them this promise. So you might be going through a difficult season in your life. And if you are, remember this promise. Here it is. For I know the plans, Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, it's up, thanks. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So um, here's the key to finding out God's plan and his purpose for our life. Here's the key. In the Good News Translation, and I've read this verse over in probably 30 translations, just trying to get a feel for it. I pulled up so much stuff this last couple weeks, just looking through it. And I love this translation. It says, for I alone know the plan for your life. Plans to bring you prosperity, not disaster. Plans to bring you about the future and a hope for you. So if God alone knows the plan for our life, then how we find out the plan and the direction of our life is we get alone with him. I'm gonna camp here for a second. When I was a, uh, when I was a young a uh, young Christian, like, and you know, like, they used to say these things, and this is like in the 90s, the early 90s, you know, and so, um, you know, like, I was just, when I just started becoming Christian, you know, like, uh, I had like this weird, like, 80s mustache. I'm so glad I got rid of that thing. It was just like a food trap, man. And at church, I mean, they spoke a language that I didn't understand, right? And they talked about stuff. And one of the things they talked about was go to your prayer closet, right? And I'm like, man, you know, like the only thing I knew about a closet was that's where when I was on drugs and tripped out of my mind, I would go there to hide, right? So I was like, I don't want to go into the closet, okay? <laughs> but it was this place that they were talking about and what they meant was it was a place where you went to be alone with God. Now, it's my, you know, like uh, my couch at home. I get up uh, earlier than Janet. I mean, she gets up at like the crack of uh, eight, you know? And so, now usually around 7.30, that's her time. She might be listening right now. I gotta be careful. And so I, I get up and that's where I get my download. Spending time with Jesus is essential to our lives. It makes us the best version of ourselves. Without Jesus, I'm the worst version of myself. Spending time with Jesus is where you'll find out the plans and the purpose for our lives. And let me just tell you, if I could just be candid, God does not have secrets from you. He has secrets for you. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. 
and tell you great and mighty things, unsearchable things, fenced in things, things that you never would have known. All we have to do is ask him, God, show me. I remember this prayer I had, God, show me what I'm supposed to do. I had met with somebody that I really respect, right? And he said, this is like 20 years ago, and he said, Mike, clearly God's got a call in your life. Maybe you should quit your job and and go into ministry vocationally. And so, um, you know, I really didn't think so, you know, like, because, um, like, I don't think I would have been a good vocational pastor, Pastor Mike. I'm, I'm just, I, I just don't have the patience for it, right? I mean, if somebody comes up to me and goes, hey, I'm struggling with my marriage, I'm like this. Well, go tell your wife you're sorry. <laughs> well, don't you want to know what happened? And I'm like, no. Does it really matter? Do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Because you can't be both. I would not have been a good vocational pastor. I just don't have, I just, I'm not as nice as Pastor Michael. So I went back and I prayed. I said, God, show me. I mean, these are my prayers. God, make it so clear that there's no way I make a mistake. And I remember the Lord saying to me, you're right where I'm at, where I want you. I want you to teach other business people to do what you do. And so over the years, I just, I've been doing that. That's what I've been trying to do. Teach other business people how to pray, how to pray for themselves. I mean, I don't have time every day where I can call Pastor Michael and say, hey, Pastor Michael, I need you to pray for me. I had to learn how to pray for myself. Teaching business people like to operate in integrity. Teaching business people to use what God's give them for the glory of God and, for, and to build his kingdom. You know, I heard someone say once, they're like, hey, you know, like God hasn't showed me anything in uh, 20 years. And I'm like, well, just keep doing what he showed you. That's what he showed me to do is to teach other people to do what I do. And that's what I do now. I'm still doing the same thing. You know, I, I prayed about my business. I'm like, God, show me. God, please show me what I'm supposed to do with my job. And I really felt like God said, I want you to help others succeed. And check this out. It has made us very successful. The more you, whatever you do for others, God will do for you. The more I've helped other people succeed, guess what's happened? The more I succeeded. It's the upside down kingdom. That's how it works, church. I'm so glad that I did not quit my job. I'm going to tell you some truths about your purpose. They're, they're truths about our purpose. Number one, it's not about money. Money is the worst leader in the world. It's a great follower, but it's a terrible leader. Golf is not your purpose. You know, uh, about a year and three months ago, I started playing pickleball, right? And um, turns out I'm really good. Like I get out on the court and they're like, how does that little refrigerator move so fast? I have no idea. It's a gift of God, man. I, I mean, like I could just move so fast. I'm like, you know, I could just like, uh, I'd be a great skier too. I mean, like I could just move so quickly. You know, I was playing yesterday and some guy came up to me and goes, I can't believe you move that quick, you know? And so uh, it's a gift, you know? 
I told Janet I might quit my job and become a professional pickleball player. She didn't think it was a great idea. Then I went out and played with people that are really good, and I found out I was just average. I'm going to keep my job. Our purpose is not about popularity. Our purpose will have challenges. The plan of God for your life will have challenges. Let me go like marketplace pastor for a second. I talk to business people all the time, young entrepreneurs, people that are just getting started out, and people that are, are further along in their business, and they're like, tell me. And I just, tell me, give me the key. I'm like, hey, listen, there's not one key. There's keys to the kingdom, okay? And I'm like, so one of the things I tell them is, here, I'll tell you what I tell every business person. I'm all the, if they're starting out on their own business, I say, go back to your church and double how much you're giving. And they're all, what? I said, it's an act of faith that you trust God with what he's giving you. And if you do that, then he'll, it's an accelerant for your job. I tell them to pray for the people they work with. And not to pray that the people would uh, do better for them. Pray for their souls. And something changes you when you pray for others in that kind of way. I tell them to act in integrity. Act with integrity. I said people work with people they like. People like people they trust. And it's the greatest witness for Christ you can be. I also tell them this. You have to get somewhat comfortable with being uncomfortable. Some of them will go, well, what's the next thing? And I'll go, well, if you really want to be successful, how many people really want to be successful in what God's calling you to do? Anybody else? You have to have a higher tolerance for pain. Your tolerance for pain will determine, you know, uh, what you achieve. And it's just a, it's just a fact. When I, when I started out doing a, a marketplace ministry, I had so many no's, so many no's. You know, like, I, you know, like it was getting to the point where I'm just like, I had a complex. I mean, like I'm meeting with pastors from all over the region and, and I'm like, and they're like, uh, uh, yeah, no. And I'm like, don't you want to hear what I'm, what I'm planning to do? It'll add so much value to the people of your church. And when we add value to the people of our church and we release them to be ambassadors for Christ in their job, we'll win the city and we'll win the region. Don't you want to do that? Uh, yeah, I can't see it. I had, I had one pastor call me a heretic. Like I had one pastor say that I had a spirit of mammon on me. I didn't even know what that meant. I thought it was a female part or something, right? I went to my, I went to my uh, one of my spiritual fathers, right? One of my spiritual mentors, and, and, I, and he said, okay, Mike, Mike, take a step back. Let's reevaluate. Why are you doing this? I said, I said, hey, I want to win my region for Jesus Christ. And I know if I win the marketplace, that's where all the influence is. And if I win the marketplace where all the influencers are at, it'll influence the rest of the region. He said, that's got to be God. Start focusing on the people that say yes and don't worry about the people that say no. So our first, Jan and I did our first marketplace gathering in 2005 and we had about, I think about 15 or 20 churches came to it and um, 
10, I think it was 15 people got born again for the first time. Business people never, that never had known Jesus. Our second event in 2007, uh, we had Matthew Barnett from the Dream Center. We did it at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. It was probably our, the biggest, it was probably the, the most challenging thing I ever did. I worked two jobs. I worked my regular job, and then I was working trying to promote Marketplace. You know, like I would go out to two lunches, you know, like, because the only way I could get pastors to go, Pastor Michael, was to take them out to lunch. Our second event, a hundred business people got born again for the first time. It's worth it, church. It's worth it, push through. It's always, your purpose, church, always is about building God's kingdom. It's always about building God's kingdom. You know, I talk to people and they're like, hey, my work, it's so dark. Praise God, you are the light that he's sending into that dark place. It's the lens that we need to look at everything through. It's about building God's kingdom. Everyone needs to have a life first. This is mine, and you can take it for yourself too. It's Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I have this actually on my, in my, on my wall, in my library at home, and the Barclay translation, it says, make the kingdom of God and life and loyalty to him the object of all your endeavors. And you will get everything else as well. You know, um, a few years back, and it's been about 10 years, 10 years ago, uh, you know, I'm a contractor by trade and I remodel apartment buildings and I'd been working for these very successful owners and about 10 years ago, I was like, hey, maybe I could do this on my, for myself. And like, since I didn't have the resources that the people I was working for had, you know, I had to buy buildings that were super distressed. And most of those buildings that are super distressed came in, uh, were in areas of a lower demographic, And I liked it. It wasn't really that hard for me because the hard part was the execution, which our company has became an expert of. And so I started doing that, right? And I'm doing these buildings, right? And um, I had one of our one of our pastors came out to pray over one of our buildings, and so um, and for me, it just I felt a peace about it, right? Like I felt like I was supposed to be doing this. He came out to one of our buildings. And he goes like this. It was halfway done. He goes, Mike, when you come on the property, there's death. And when you come, you bring life. You come in, when you come on the property, there's darkness, and you bring light. I mean, like, we were buying these properties that people, basically, people had been murdered on, right? Like, I had a saying, hey, if no one's been killed on the property in the last six months, I don't want to buy it. Which I know sounds scary, but I just hired my own gang, I got my own guys like we got in the back. (laughs) Let me tell you, you bring a couple of those guys, the gangs get scared and they run away. It's not that hard. (laughs) But once I realized, see this pastor and everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. 
And this pastor showed me, and what he did is he gave me some clarity to the lens. He brought it into focus for me. I now could see the reason why I was doing these properties is because the people in the properties needed us to pray over them. They had, the Lord showed me that there were generational curses on the people. So I have been coming against those generational curses in the name of Jesus. We've been anointing every doorknob on our properties with oil and praying over them. The people there that live in our properties will be set free. We're partnering with churches that are bringing buses and bringing the kids to, to church on Sunday. We're partnering with other groups that are doing backpack giveaways, all kinds of things, because my job is to build God's kingdom. And everything else just comes as a, a byproduct of that. You know, I, I was meeting uh, uh, with one of, uh, one of the business guys um, and that he has a carpet clean, a good, a good business. He's got a carpet cleaning business. And at the time he had a, one truck and he, he was cleaning carpets. And he asked me, he said, Mike, um, I want to grow my business. And I asked him, I said, why do you want to grow your business? He said, well, I need more income. I said, no, that's not why. He goes, well, I need some security. And you know, like I quickly get annoyed, right? So I'm like, that's not the reason. Has God given you a dream? And he said, well, actually, yes. And at his church, they supported an orphanage. And when you personally gave towards the orphanage, you would get a picture of one of the children. And they give you a, and, and he had this picture of one of the children, and he had it on his wall. And he told me that he had a dream that that wall was wallpapered with pictures of kids from the orphanage, the whole wall with many pictures. And I told him, that's your purpose. That's your purpose. Within a short time, he went from one truck to two. I'm talking about three months. He was able to buy a second truck. Six months later, he bought a third truck. And what's the reason why he was able to do that? He started focusing on his purpose. See, when the why is clear, the how shows up. It's always, church, our purpose and God's plan for our life. I want to be clear about this. It's always about others. It's always about serving people. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. The purpose is always about people. Uh, if the worship team could come up, uh, thank you. You know, um, I came into Christianity, I, you know, like I got born again, and, you know, I just, I just want to be transparent with you and candid. I just, I came in with a lot of baggage, just a lot of baggage. I mean, um, you know, like I started my own business. People laughed at me. You know, I, um, and, my, and my family laughed, you know, or giggled, I don't know. Um, friends of mine, you know, they, uh, they said, no, there's no way, you know. Even my customers, when I first started, they're like, there's no way he's going to make it. You know, and I just had baggage. Just had a lot of baggage. I was like the guy at the airport that has the cart that has like, and it's full like eight or ten feet. You're like, where are these people going, right? 
I don't even have that much clothes, period, right? I mean, like, I just had baggage. I mean, you know, like, I just, I, I carried it in with me as a, as a Christian. Some of, some of it was like, I had a fear of failure, right? And, and some of it just like, when people have a fear of failure, you know, let me just be clear with you. It shows up in two different ways. It could show up one way or another. One way is they're afraid to do anything. How it showed up with me is I was just incredibly intense. My daughter, I remember she said to me, she goes, yeah, when we were younger, we probably heard you say a thousand times, failure is not an option. You know, it's like, um, I had like a chip on my shoulder, right? You know, like I just, I wanted to prove people wrong, right? You know, and um, uh, Janet, uh, someone asked Janet, how could you describe your husband in one word? And you know, like I thought she'd say loving. She said intense. It was baggage that I had, right? I mean, like, you know, uh, we were at a lake one time, right? And um, it was about a quarter of a mile. You know, we were at a cove and there was a quarter of a mile to the shore. And um, I said, I, I bet I could swim across it, you know, and back. You know, it was like half mile swim. And uh, someone in the boat said, oh, there's no way you could do it. And Janet said, oh, don't tell him that. Please, he will kill himself. Don't ever tell him he can't do something. It was baggage I had. I mean, it was, and if I, you know, like I still have a carry-on. Like I've gotten rid of a bunch of the baggage, but I'm going to be honest. Some days, like some old clothes from my past, they get shoved into my bag. And I got to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, like I, I, if I could be totally candid, it was probably only 10 years ago where I, the Lord finally said to me, he's like, you need to remove that chip. <laughs> you just need to get that chip off your shoulder. You don't need it. It's not helping. It adds no value. I mean, the biggest piece of baggage that I carried in was that, you know, like um, my mom um, and my dad were married until I was about um, eight or nine. And I have not one memory of him ever hugging me or telling me he loved me. It's baggage. Baggage. You know, my mom got remarried and my stepdad, um, you know, like he just made me feel useless, worthless. I mean, he actually tell me, he's like, you'll never amount to anything. Guess what, church? He was wrong. He said, you know, you just, you're not, you have no value. You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. You know, um, and, and I probably overcompensated a little bit with my own kids. You know, um, you know, you know, like it's, it's not good to kiss your son when he's 14 or 15 when, you know, like, and he's in public, right? Get away from me, you know. A little overcompensation. I just wanted to make sure they never would not feel loved. I mean, I was loved. I, you know, my mom, my sisters, you know, my aunt, they love me. And, but, but men need other men. men. They do. Men need other men. You know, um, here's a scripture. It's, um, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. 
you know, uh, my, my first pastor became my first positive male role model at 30. And then a few years later, uh, a few years later, um, God gave me this guy named Chuck D'Amato, who's just been like an actual father, a spiritual father, a spiritual mentor. A few years later, he gave me Bob Harrison, you know, um, and who just became like a spiritual father. And like, I got three. And that's just how good God is. You know, and then over this, this season of my life, you know, like probably over the last seven years, like Janet had noticed, God had called me to be a father to many men. And so God will take even the biggest area of pain in our life and he could turn around it, make it turn around. He's, God is that good. He could take even the worst area of pain and turn it around for his glory. He's that good. You know, I was on, I was on a job site um, not too long ago and I, go, I went there, we had uh, this one guy that had worked with us for 15 years and I was doing like a celebration, like a lunch and I just, you know, uh, uh, celebrating the guy that had his anniversary with our company and, and I was out there and, you know, um, I always like, just like to say some nice things, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I just try to say some nice things for people. And, you know, so I, I got up there to share a little bit, you know, like the guy had been with our company for a while. And, um, and, and I felt like the Lord said, tell everybody on the job that you're proud of them. So I go like this, I go, um, you guys are doing a great job. I'm so appreciative of you and I'm so proud of you. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said again, I'm so proud of you guys. You're such good guys. Again, I'm so proud of you guys. You are great guys. Again, I'm so proud of you guys. And I look up 40 guys on this job site, hardened construction guys, right? I look up and I look at them. Every single one of them is crying. And I said, Lord, what's going on? Like, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you're the first man that has ever told them that you were proud of them. Church, God, let me just say it this way. The world is starving for fathers and for spiritual mothers too. And God is going to bring people across our path through the doors of that church, in our neighborhoods, in just random meetings. God's gonna put people in your place that are just like me, that have baggage that needs someone to just speak life into them, that needs someone that's just got to say, I'm proud of you, you're good, I love you, with no agenda. If you please stand with me. I want to pray for you, church. Jesus, Lord, I just thank you for the great people of the great city church. And it's not an accident that you're here. Lord, first of all, if, if you, you might be here and you've had words spoken over you that were contrary to the word of God. And right now I just, Jesus, right now I just render those words harmless 
in Jesus' name. I bind them and I loose them off the people. I thank you that they are God's masterpiece created for good work and a successful life. God, I just declare over them that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. I thank you they are more than conquerors through him who loves them. I thank you that you, the Father, you love them so much. So much. Jesus. I just speak life, or, and, and you, we have to watch the words that we speak over ourselves. What you hear on a regular basis, you will believe. And the voice you believe the most is your own. So start speaking life over yourself. When we speak life over ourselves, life begins to take, take its place and it comes out of us. So Lord, I thank you for the people. I just declare a blessing. I thank you even now. You're speaking to them and showing them the people and the purposes and the plans you have for their lives. And God, I thank you, God, that there will be a supernatural move of God as we walk in your will and your purpose. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.